What do you do at night time? Go to sleep. What do you do when you're waking up? What do you think about in the middle of the night? Well, I've got the garden to do. I've got the grass to cut. I've got a bill to pay. When I meditate on you during the night, that's what you've been singing about. And with God's help, I would like to rivet in my heart and yours something well worth meditating upon when you waken tonight. And it's the wish of Jesus in this chapter, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. We have it in several editions and the word that used is actually that they may behold my glory, which is slightly different, I think, and slightly better than just to see. It's to behold. The, def the dictionary definition for behold is to see something of a remarkable or impressive nature, that they may behold my glory. Remarkable, impressive, and J.C. Ryle even puts it better, not merely as a spectator, but beholding includes participation, sharing, and enjoyment. Right? I don't know what you'll be like when I see you going out after the service. I don't know whether you'll have a smile on your face or not, but I believe that if you see something of this wish of Jesus, and accept it and receive it, you will have a smile somewhere, in your heart at least. Joy. Jesus and you and nothing in between. J-O-Y. Our tendency, isn't it, is to gaze at the world at the problems of our circumstances and society, to gaze at the attractions such as they are of this world around us and its challenges and its celebrities. If I wheeled in David Beckham here tonight, I reckon there would be a few more people. But we've got God here tonight. We must learn to gaze at the king and glance at the world. We've got it the wrong way around. We're gazing at the world. Oh, yes, we have half an hour on a Sunday morning and maybe on a Sunday evening and maybe on a Wednesday evening. We do give a little time to God. Friend, are you gazing? Are you preoccupied with the Lord Jesus? Here's an Andrew Boner quote which I find very helpful. Faith is high 
when our thoughts about the Lord Jesus himself are high. Faith is high and strong when our thoughts about Jesus are high. Or John Owen, the sight of the glory of Christ is the spring and cause of our everlasting blessedness. In fact, on his deathbed, John Owen, the Puritan, his friend William Payne called in to see John Owen to advise him that his final book on the glory of Christ was now at the printer's. And by the way, it's a wonderful book. If you've never read it, read it. It's the last thing John Owen wrote. It's his most devotional work. It's on the glory of Christ. In fact, if my wife doesn't mind, I'll, I'll tell a little story about it. Karen was in hospital having an operation. I first time we were parted from one another for a serious piece of surgery. And it was half past 11 at night. And I couldn't sleep. And I was feeling a bit lonely. And I got out The Glory of Christ by John Owen. And it was great. It was such a help. Half an hour later, something happened. The phone rang. It was Sinclair Ferguson. Phoning from America. I hear Karen's in hospital for an operation. How are you doing? I said, I'm reading John Owen on the glory of Christ. Oh, he said, that will do you good. That was just an aside, by the way. But the glory of Christ, he was told that it was at the printers. And this is what he said. The day has come at last in which... I shall see the glory in another manner than I have ever done in this world. He was on his deathbed, but he was looking forward to seeing his glory. This uh, part of John's Gospel is described by, it's Thomas Goodwin, I think, this, he describes it this way. In this, we have a window on the heart of Christ. Now you've had a window in the heart of Christ. We've read it. You've heard it read. A window to see who he is and what he's like. This part of John's gospel is referred to as the book of glory from chapter 13 to the end, and so it is. We have the discourse at the Last Supper. We have Jesus washing feet. We have Jesus announcing his betrayal. Then from chapter 15 to the chapter 17, we have the way to the garden of Gethsemane. Why? Why was that happening? Why was that all in order and recorded for us? Because the disciples were facing a major challenge. Because trouble was round the corner. Persecution was round the corner. And Jesus was helping them 
preparing them for it. In the middle of this section are these wonderful words. Take heart. Take heart. I've won the battle. I have overcome the world. There it is also at the beginning of chapter 14 is let not your heart be troubled. I'm praying for them, for their protection, for their sanctification, for their unity. But I believe most of all for this, that they would see his glory. The desire of Jesus is that you would see his glory. Have you seen it? Have you said, that is amazing? You may have seen the Grand Canyon. You may have seen Mount Everest. But it's nothing. It's nothing in comparison to the glory that is here. Who is it for? Verse 24. Those whom you have given me. Ah, there's a question. It's just for those who are for being given to Christ. You're asking, am I included? Am I in that number? Are you saying with the Negro spiritual, I better not sing it, will I? I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in, I want to be in the number. Are you in it? Here's an answer for you. First Peter, and to you therefore which believe, Jesus is precious. Is Jesus precious to you, my young friend? My old friend? If Jesus is precious to you, you're a believer. And you will be in that number. And it's for you that Christ is praying here. Remember the story about the the old soldier who put it this way. He had been in the war. And he said, well, I've never been to London. But I know my name is written there. Oh, how do you know your name is written in London? Well, every month, every month, I get a check. I get a pension. I get a regular supply. I know my name, you can say, friend. I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life because in the means of grace, in the reading of the word, in the listening of the sermon, I get a taste. I get a little supply to keep me going, to keep me on, keeping on. Will you not join with me tonight and express in your heart the desire of Moses Show me thy glory, the desire of David, Psalm 27, that I, the beauty of the Lord, behold me and admire. Or with the Greeks who said to Philip, we want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. 
What was the glory which John speaks about in John chapter 1? We have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What did he see? John, John, what did you see? You said you saw the glory. What did you see? It was not the glory of his outward condition, for he made himself of no reputation, was in the form of a servant. He didn't look up to much, to put it in the way we would put it. He didn't look any different from any of you. He had a nose and two eyes and a chin. He was a man. And he became poor. An expression I heard this week from Sinclair Ferguson, which was a good one. He emptied himself by addition. Subtraction by addition. What did that mean? Took to himself a true body, became poor, took a low place. It was not his outward condition or his outward appearance. He had no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Was his glory full of grace and truth? And how did they see it? How did they see it? It's in verse 12. The hint is in verse 12. To this many as received him. They received him. Creation did not change it. Yes. It reveals it. Through him all things were made. He made the seas. The tides. The seed. The daffodil. The wind bush. Everything was made by him. Remember what, is it Samuel Rutherford? Yeah. Or the lady who wrote that poem about Samuel Rutherford. In connection with the glory, the lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. I will hope and pray and expect that this evening, by God's grace and by his Spirit, many of you, if not all of you, will come to say, he is altogether lovely. To say, Lord, you are amazing. You are absolutely amazing. My chiefest joy, may we tonight marvel at him 
forget ourselves, our sores, and our problems, and say of Jesus, you're all together lovely. In John 1.14, which we refer to, we read, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then go on to verse 16, For from his fullness have we received grace upon grace. My point is that praising the glory of God's grace is the purpose for your creation, for your existence. This is the arrival point. Praising the glory of God's grace and glory is the all-satisfying goal of your existence. Man's chief end, the chief purpose, is not to score the winning goal for Chelsea. Man's chief purpose is to glorify God and enjoying him forever. Seeing that glory in the person and work of Jesus is the way that John refers to here, grace upon grace. This grace comes into my broken life and yours. Beholding his glory, we are made whole. By beholding the glory of God's grace, we receive and own and become part of his community of glory. Savoring the glory of God. Treasuring the glory of God. Thinking about the glory of God. Meditating upon it. Satisfied with it, delighting in it. Second Corinthians puts it this way Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into his image from one degree of glory to the next. Right. With God's help, let's try and do that. One. Behold his glory in the miracles of healing. He made the lame to walk. He was in the ear replacement business. He made the dumb to speak. He made the dead to stand up. Think about his glory and the miracles of healing. And after each of these aspects of his glory, I'm going to remind you of a psalm that speaks about the glory. Well, the one for this first one is Psalm 72, verse 18. For he alone doth wondrous works in glory that excel. Number two. Behold his glory in the first miracle. 180 gallons of water. Changed into wine. There was nothing more in the jugs or nothing less 
when he did the miracle. It was the quality of what was in the jugs that was changed. Then, chapter 6, there was another miracle. It was not about the quality. It was about the quantity. 5,000 people fed, no big deal. He didn't make a big show of it. It just happened. He didn't say, let's get these loaves and fishes, put them on the platform here, and I'm going to do a miracle, and there's going to be a huge basket, baskets and baskets and baskets and baskets of them. No, just go ahead and hand it around. And there were baskets. Baskets left. Behold his glory. Here's the verse from the psalm. And in his glory, excellent, let all his saints rejoice. Number three, behold his glory. As he did something that I hope you've done. I don't know if we do it, but he did it. He wept over the place he was living in. He wept over Jerusalem. You go out the door of this building and there are hundreds. You go into Tesco and there are hundreds who've never heard. He wept over Jerusalem, over that city that was to reject him, over that city that was to crucify him. There it is in Luke 13. How often... Would I have gathered thee as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings? How dare you think for a minute that Jesus doesn't want people to come to him? There it is also in Luke 19. If you had known the things that belong to your peace, what love, what compassion. Here's the verse from the psalm. Unto the Lord, Psalm 29, verse 2. Unto the Lord the glory give that to his name is due. Have you been seeking and thinking and meditating about his glory? Not just during the night, last night, but during the last 20 minutes. Number four. Behold his glory in Gethsemane. Just a shadow of the event of Calvary. At Gethsemane, he was aware of what was now near. He was thinking about it. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. even unto death. I'm thinking about my death. He was to be made sin in the presence of God. Is that not glorious? Does that not make you feel like saying, 
Hallelujah. I hope it does. It's wonderful. It's altogether glorious that he was made sin. He bore our sin in his own body on the tree. Who is he that is the king of glory? Who is this? The Lord of hosts and none but he, the king of glory is. Psalm 24, verse 10. That's four. Consider his glory and the miracle of healing. In the miracle of changing water into wine. In the agony of Gethsemane. In his weeping over Jerusalem. Number five. Behold his glory on the cross. Every wound, every wound is a window. Telling us of the glory. His hands, his feet, his back, his head, his side. And I dare say, sadly, that some of us get used to it. You could tell me all the details of it. But friend, this piece of glorious information, the glorious truth, should melt our hearts. The great outsider alone of the people, there was none with me. The substitute, the sin-bearer, Unable to say, remember, he couldn't say, Father, only why in the desperate darkness dealt with not as a son, but dealt with as sin. It's a very little change, isn't it? Just a letter. Dealt with not as the son, S-O-N dealt with as sin, S-I-N. No wonder Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And here's the Psalm, 86 verse 12. O Lord my God, with all my heart, to thee I will give praise, and I the glory will ascribe unto thy name always. That you would see the glory. That they would see the glory. Six. Six. Are you with me? Have you got it? Where are we going to go next? Where is he going to go next? that you would behold his glory in the offer of the gospel. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And everybody you'll ever meet is thirsty. Everybody in the world is thirsty. You are thirsty whether you're listening to me or not. 
There's an insatiable thirst in the heart of man. Nothing less than Christ will satisfy. And once you find him, nothing more could be desired. Have you found Jesus? Are you putting your hand, the hand of your heart, into his hand and saying, Wonderful! Thank you! That was very much part of my own story as a young lad. A minister, a Mr. McSween was his name, from Oban. And he leant across the pulpit and he said, Can you put your hand in the hand of the woman of Samaria? And I was sitting there and I said, Yes. And I'm asking you, can you put your hand in the hand of the woman of Samaria? Can you agree with her and say, yes, he knows me and I need him? All our guilt imputed to him, the righteousness that he has and gives to us has no blemish. Behold his glory, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And here's the Psalm verse, Psalm 90, verse 16. And show unto their children, dear, thy glory evermore. It is a great responsibility and privilege to be given children. And the responsibility is to do what that verse says and show unto their children dear thy glory evermore. I've lost count now. We're at the next one. Behold his glory then as our advocate. Our intercessor within the veil, I might pray for you for a wee while. I might have prayed for you this morning, this afternoon, and this evening, but will I do so in the middle of the night tonight or next Friday night? It's highly unlikely but he makes continual intercession for us. 24-7, 365 or 366. Our intercessor, our friend, our brother, our helper, our guide, our teacher, our king, our keeper, making continual intercession. I know, I suppose, that some of you will have said to somebody sometime, when you're in a situation, a difficult situation in the family, or in your health, or in your work, you've said, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Well, he does. And he doesn't stop. Here's the verse from the psalm. O Lord, exalted be thy name above the heavens to stand 
Do thou thy glory far advance above both sea and land? Psalm 57, verse 11. Thy glory. It's wonderful that you, Lord Jesus, would think on me. I think that's amazing. I, I, I'm really, really sorry for you if you don't think that's amazing. There's something far wrong. You're in a hopeless situation. If that's not amazing to you, that the creator of the universe, the sustainer of your life, the giver of the last breath you have and the last breath you will have, thinks on you. Well, there's seven billion people in the world, but yet he thinks on you. Altogether glorious. <clears throat> one more. And you know where I'm going. Surely you've got this one worked out. Behold his glory in heaven. You got it. I heard him. I don't know where it came from, but somebody whispered it. In heaven. In heaven. Now, through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. I did something about a month ago that I never did before. I had a cousin, some of you knew him, Ian Mackenzie, a farmer out at Inverarney, latterly in Balaferry, home of rest. And I was at his bed a number of times over the last little while of his life. And there was Ian dying. They had stopped feeding him. He was clean. I was broken. I learnt, leant over his bed and kissed my cousin, Ian, on the forehead. I'd never kissed my cousin before. And I was thinking, I was thinking that he's now got the kiss of Jesus to be with Christ, which is far better. He's with him. What glory is that? For God, the Lord's a sun and shield, he'll grace this is it. Grace is what we have tonight. We've got grace here. He'll grace and glory give. Glory. Faultless, we're told. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
and to thy glory afterward receive me to abide, Psalm 73. And to thy glory afterward. This is not what it's all about. Mentioned Sinclair Ferguson already this evening. He's had a few dreams, and they're quite interesting. I, I've kind of taken a note of some of his dreams. And here's one he told about recently. He was 15 years old. He had just become a Christian. And he had a dream. He was thinking about heaven. And he got there. And he arrived there. And he, when he arrived there, he saw people he knew. This one and that one and that one. People he, had, he knew, he had met in church, he had heard them preach or whatever. He met them. But he couldn't. He couldn't speak to them. He didn't have any inclination to do so. He was pushing them aside <coughs> so that he would meet his elder brother, so that he would see Jesus. That I, the beauty of the Lord, behold me and admire. And what's the song there? It's in Revelation 5, verse 13. It's to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Is that your song? Is that will be your song, friend? If you're looking to Jesus, you'll be so, so delighting in that. Blessing and honor and glory and might are yours to be with Christ. Which is far better. Hear him say in this chapter, I want you to see my glory. I want you to experience and to wonder and to know the wonder of my love. I want you to enjoy me. I want you to be with me. That's his prayer for you. And that prayer is being answered. And it will be. His prayer is always answered. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory. I do hope and pray that you are saying now thank you Lord. May the Lord help us so to do let us pray. Lord, what can we say? We've been in a very holy place. 
we've heard the voice of Jesus. Grant that we would see you and come to say thank you from the depths of our heart. We commit the cares we have about our world and our families and our futures and our past to you. May we be of those who know what it is to say, my Lord, my God, my chiefest joy, my hope, my everything. In our loneliness and emptiness and sinfulness, wash us and make us clean. Yea, wash thou me, and then I shall be whiter than the snow. Lord, bless the congregation here. Be with Malcolm and Katie. Uphold them by your grace and for your glory. Keep us now as we come to the end of this Lord's Day that we would remember something of what we have heard and that we would go on our way rejoicing. Pardon us, pity us, and help us. For Jesus' sake. Amen.